welcome back to this week's episode of Bruins Tape to Tape. I'm Caroline, and I'm joined as ever with Maria from Watertown. Hi, Maria. Hello, Caroline. Hello, everyone who's listening to us, and thank you if you are. Yes, indeed. Uh, we've got so much to talk about. It's as if it's a whole new world now that we have hockey back in our life. Uh, we've had a couple of game days. We had National Pasta Day, which, of course, who doesn't love David Pasternak, obviously. Uh, and we are just so excited to actually talk about real game action and see what this team is going to be cooking up for us. Um how how have you been feeling, Maria? You were back in the swing of things with the NHL schedule. We got hockey games to watch. Did you tune in? Of course you did. Of Tell me what you I thought. Did. Of course <laughs> I did. Um, I was frankly um, feeling like I wanted to kick myself for not going to uh, to opening night and participating in all the the uh, the fanfare related to the alumni celebration and. Um, seeing those guys walking in on the mm. gold carpet and then um, being introduced before the start of the opening game against the Blackhawks, but um, you know, true, true to form, I don't, I don't give the uh, Bruins ownership uh, credit for a lot of things, but that uh, that was very, very well done. Um, yes. And to see legends, I mean, just sheer legends: Bobby Orr, Phil Esposito, Johnny Busick. Sedano Chara, the newly retired Patrice Bergeron, who, by the way, looks awesome and he looks like he could be ready to play. He's not fat yet. What's up with and, that? Come on. Moment. Um, <laughs> you know, Ray Bork, although we can't say the same thing about <laughs> Ray Bork, but um, just just very, very nice, nicely done. Mm -hmm. um, in, in terms of the, the, the two games, um, there were some highlights and, and there were still some... I don't want to call them lowlights, but maybe um, areas of, of concern. And <laughs> every team has them to start the season. Definitely. Um, the, the highlights for me, mm. um, I'll start with the Blackhawks game. Yeah. Was despite um, a slow start, which I blame on the ceremony. Mm. You know, the 30-minute ceremony players, <laughs> again, both teams, you know, standing there. Participating, watching, probably very, a very emotional day for the Bruins players and perhaps even, you know, Blackhawks players reminiscing with with some of these legends. But um, so it, it was a little bit of a slow start. I thought um, it was a great start for lines three and four, mm -hmm. and I think Monty thought the same thing because he actually rewarded them with some additional ice time during the course of that game. Um, I still think lines one and two um, have a little bit of work to do and a little bit of, of gelling mm. to do for lack of a better, better word. But, you know, Potsy gets his, his first assist of his career. <laughs> Pasta picks up two beauties picking yep. up where he, Left off. No break. <laughs> Basically, no break. No, no, he looks he looks in in you know peak form, peak form, yep. and he's gonna need to stay in peak form all season, mm -hmm. frankly. Yep. Um power play units, unit one in the Chicago game, um, I thought was um didn't perform very well. I think mm -hmm. they were just too deliberate 
in their puck movement. Their zone entry wasn't very good. Um, they didn't generate, I don't recall them generating shots or any, you know, yeah. distinct scoring chances. Power play unit number two um, was, was buzzing. Yes, they Fantastic. were buzzing. They weren't rewarded, but they were definitely um, generating generating shots. Um, Connor Bedard, you know, is he's going to be a he's going to be a player. He is going to be <laughs> a player. I just worry about the fatigue at yeah. some point for this young man. This um, with all of the demands on his time at yeah. every rink, every arena that um, he goes to. But you know, yeah. not our problem. That's a Blackhawks problem. <laughs> <laughs> Um, interestingly enough monty seemed after the blackhawks game he seemed a bit sour Mm. um, in his post game and he you know one of his quotes that stuck out with me is that they didn't come out playing fast to which i would say (laughs) when is the last time a bruins team has been noted as being fast it's been a while we are finally i think starting to trend younger for the first time in probably the better part of a decade certainly i mean the fact that most of our guys are not in their 30s is probably the first in a while for sure absolutely yeah you know i i completely agree with you the start of the ceremony i mean if there's one thing that the bruins do incredibly well and granted I don't watch other special ceremonies in other arenas uh, very often, um, but, you know, they know how to put on a show. Uh, It was moving. It was incredibly sentimental. It was fantastic to watch. It kind of gives you the chills to know that, you know, we get to witness history every single game being the oldest American uh, franchise in the NHL that's still operating. but you're absolutely right. You know, the ceremony and everything was created uh, for the fans and not for the poor players who were standing out there, you know, and being distracted, not necessarily in a bad way, but, you know, it's you're paying attention to all these legends and and you're not on the ice, you're not getting focused. And so, you know, I don't want to ever give the Bruins a pass for anything, um, but I can understand how it could be difficult to transition from something so momentous. Like, no matter what happens to every single guy on the roster this season, every single one of them is now in the history books because they were part of the century team that right. played on the ice. Yeah. So, you know, that can be distracting. Um, and I agree with you uh, with these lines. I mean, with the bottom six what's really interesting is kind of the dynamic among those guys versus the dynamic of the top six because you know if if you think about it when you have preseason um you're not really going to see a ton of the veterans put in a ton of time they are spending that time kind of getting warmed up they've been doing their thing they know what to expect training camp is really more of an audition than anything else and maybe a little bit of like, you know, knocking some of the rust off. But when you have all of these guys who have been on the team and, you know, maybe they haven't always necessarily worked together, quote unquote, uh, but they know each other. 
they've got a different kind of relationship than those guys who are in the bottom six who are really, really new. Some of them, you know, like Patra and Beecher, brand spanking new. And then you've got a whole bunch of young guys who maybe spent a little bit of time up and down like Lauco um, or just a young guy in general in Freddie. And so they're going to have a completely different experience going through training camp in the start of the season. They're kind of, you know, having that special bonding time because it's a really unique experience for that particular group. And so I'm not I'm not totally surprised by the chemistry um that's going on in the bottom six, especially the 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 fourth line. Um, you know, with Beecher and Lauco especially um Lauko's just got that speed and they he matches up really well with Beecher. And then you've got Luch who like, yeah, he's a veteran, but he's kind of like the fun veteran. <laughs> you know, if, if anyone out there uh, knows they're mean girls, I'm not like a regular mom. I'm a cool mom. So that's exactly what I get the vibe from him. Um, and I, you know, he's a kid at heart. So of course he fits right in with those guys. And so and I was happy to be back in Boston, you know, it, 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 it seems so genuine that that goes far, that attitude back here. Mm -hmm. And I think there's some leadership potential there. Yeah. Um, with him being, you know, he's, he's in essence, a veteran. He is in the league now. Yep. And a veteran of Boston. Like, even though he's been gone for so long, you know, his, his ties are still tight. Here. Yes. Yeah, exactly. You know, with pasta and Marshy and, you know, all the people who work in the front office. I mean, there is a number of people there. So and I think what's really great is he's a good balance example of leadership because, you know, you're going to have the much more serious leaders, the much more serious veterans. Like, you know, I can't believe I'm saying this, but in Marshan, <laughs> being a serious veteran because he's the captain and he's going to show like you got to put in the hard work. But I wouldn't be surprised if you know, with Luch, his leadership is going to be telling these young guys, like, yeah, take it seriously, but also have fun. Like, this is the time of your life. So that being said, I'm not surprised. I love watching these young guys. And the fact that what we've seen so far, that they were kept together really, really almost untouched that particular line going into the second game against Nashville you know, we're already starting to see some of the mad scientists in Jim Montgomery, right? We've kind of learned over the past year that the man is not afraid to switch things up, which is the complete opposite of what we had in Bruce Cassidy. Um, I think there are lots of people out there who see well, some of it. No, Bruce did it. He was just slow to do yes. it. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly. Slow to do it. Exactly. And Monty's like, this isn't working in the first period. We're doing something in the second period. So I think that attitude, even a year in, makes a lot of people nervous. But I don't know. What are your what's your take kind of in any changes that you saw from game one to two and then any, you know, the practice lines already are well, getting thrown I, I, in the blender? <laughs> yeah, and we're we're gonna get to that and and you know, my my thoughts on um the 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 changes just quickly on the predators game mm-hmm. um just the you know the penalty shot that was awarded to pasta look i'm not going to it sounds like i'm going to complain but i it was a weak it was a weak call let let's yeah it was an extremely weak penalty shot call 
but he took full mm-hmm. advantage of it. And what mm-hmm. a snipe. Holy that was. What Unreal. an absolute snipe yeah. that was. Yeah. And I'm not going to lie. When I saw him kind of meander a little bit towards the net, I was thinking to myself, what are you doing? And it was all part of the setup because you could tell he's like going in kind of slow, almost as like a, a fake out for the goalie and then he's just winding it back the goalie has no shot at seeing that and just bam my god i don't i don't <laughs> know of many nhl goalies <laughs> and, and you know uc saros is is one of the best great yes um he's one of the best so i i don't know um how many how many goalies would have yeah. been able to stop that shot um yeah so that was the plus for me for a takeaway other pluses were you know, JVR gets mm-hmm. gets two goals, and you can yep. see how they want to try to utilize him in in front of the net. And if he can do that consistently, mm-hmm. that is going to be a significant asset for the Bruins. Yeah, Jeremy Swayman, the best well, penalty killer <laughs> off the ice that night. <laughs> yes. Okay, the penalties were an abomination. You, you yeah. cannot. You cannot take that many penalties no. in a game Mm-mm. and hope to win that game. Your mm-hmm. penalty, your penalty killing units, fantastic. But Swayman was by far the best, the best number one that night for the Bruins. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it the the defensiveness of the team, I mean, ultimately coming down to Jeremy Swayman, I mean, he's the reason that they won because they the Bruins couldn't get out of their own way. You know, maybe Super maybe in the penalty. beginning, exactly. The maybe in the beginning, period, a couple of ticking, yeah. but all the remainder of the penalties Come they got, on. particularly in the second period, mm-hmm. dudes. Okay, yeah. you're professional hockey players. Control yep. your sticks. <laughs> exactly. It's lazy. It's sloppy. No, you got it's caught. because you get beat. Right. Right. You get beat by a guy. And mm-hmm. then you you try to use a little stick work, and it's going to right. get called mm-hmm. nine out of ten times in the league now. Especially at this time of the year when we can only presume that, you know, the league is trying to set the tone and say, like, okay, guys, this is what's getting called, and we're going to be on you. And then, you know, obviously some of that starts to let go later in the season, and guys are less likely to test the waters, so to speak, because they're kind of trying to get their team across the finish line for playoffs. But yeah, I mean, I think it's the same thing. Like there was a, it was a pretty slow start. Probably again, this isn't an excuse, but like I could very easily point to the slow start and just lack of really good chances because they had to keep stopping every like three minutes. And this wasn't like young guys who didn't know what they were doing. No, this was he, veteran he guys, was savvy players. Yeah, Marshand, Lindholm, uh, Lindholm. I think Chucky, Minor, Chucky. Like, and and, oh, and those are two of your top penalty killing defensemen. Not oh tomorrow. my god! All right, I know. let's 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 yeah, let's let's get that cleaned up. Let's get uh, that yeah. cleaned up. That can't that cannot be the norm. Yeah, because and you're not gonna. You're yeah. not going to win many games if if that's the norm. And incredibly mad props to that penalty killing unit. I believe this year Charlie Coyle is part of that unit, correct? And I believe so. Yeah. That's a newer role for him because I don't believe at least really taking the 
lead. Or maybe it was just my perception because he was at work doing that all night. <laughs> I'm like, man, he's he's really taken leadership in this penalty killing. But you know what? It was probably because they had like a hundred penalties to kill. Yeah, and it, by and some they were perfect on the night. They were. They were. They were I, perfect I, I, no night. notes. No notes. Um and I was glad that something must have gotten through to them for the third period because we weren't really seeing that kind of ridiculous behavior because, quite frankly, the odds were starting to go in Nashville's favor. I mean, for crying out loud, a broken clock is right twice a day, right? So, like, eventually, even if Nashville's power play maybe wasn't great. I mean, I didn't see necessarily anything that made me think like, oh man, they suck. But like, come on, you just give them enough chances. It's it's going to go in. So I think something must have finally come home for the Bruins to be like, okay, we need to calm down over here and actually get pasta on the ice, you know, mm-hmm. like right. as, well, as it impacts, it impacts time on ice for mm-hmm. Um, a, a lot, you know, for a lot of players and, and mm-hmm. players that you need to have out on the ice if you want a viable chance of winning the game. Now we're talking right. as if they lost the game. I and know. They did not, folks. They no. they won the game. But but did they really? They didn't get an A. <laughs> not areas, a C. Okay. And again, it's it's early in the season. Yeah. But these are areas that you want to look at because you do not want to see them become recurring themes. Yeah. And, you know, my, my take for the season is the first two games of the season were both one goal games, correct? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We're going to see a lot of those games with this year's Boston Bruins team. Yeah. They're they're I I don't envision cakewalks for this, for this team. So those areas are going to be critical to Mm -hmm. stay on top of. When you get a power play opportunity, you really need to capitalize on it and Mm -hmm. limit the other team's opportunities. Yes. Yeah. To do the same. And granted, like, you know, when we think about things that we want to see improved upon, there's already been improvement from last year. I mean, you know, the power play, (laughs) granted, the bar very, very low, uh, but... At least we're seeing some things, and I think I can say that we are both very optimistic, you know, about everything. Um, It's just what happens at this time of year. And the fact that, you know, with the the NHL scheduling algorithm, I mean, I feel like we got a little bit of of the short stick on this in the fact that, you know, we had a game on Saturday, and there's not another game until Thursday, and it's out out on the West Coast. I mean, granted, yes, I love that they're out there. It's good for the team. It's a short little trip, whatever. But that's kind of a break. I don't know how much I love that. And, well, this you know, happened to them last season, too. It, it seemed did. like we had. So, I again, I, I'm with you. I don't understand what schedulers are doing. Mm-hmm. But it seemed like there, there was more than one time last season where it seemed we went days without seeing yeah. the Bruins playing. Yeah. And, you know, it just kind of makes even just league-wide looking at stats, because, of course, that's what I do. Um, it makes it really weird because 
I just saw today, for example, uh, a little meme, I don't know, posted out by like NHL PR or whatever, where it said like, who's going to be the last team standing that's undefeated or whatever. And the Bruins was, you know, there aren't very many teams who are still undefeated and the Bruins were still in the game. I'm like, they've only played two games. Like everyone else has played like five games. <laughs> I know. Right. <laughs> no pressure. Right. Oh my God. Well, and I, you know, and I hope you, to your comment about Monty after the first game, you know, I love Jim Montgomery. I love his approach. There are a lot of, old-time hockey fans out there who don't love uh, this kind of either coaching style or whatever because it's not tough. It's not, uh, you know, kicking and yelling and screaming at your players. Like, come on. Um, so, like, I am all for Monty's approach to coaching and, you know, relationship building and, and you know, laying down the law when you need to. But, you know, considering... I don't know if he was particularly well protected from that scrutiny last year from either Boston media or, or whomever no, critics. There, there was no reason to scrutinize him last year. But I'm worried that because of what happened at the end of last season and kind of that contentious almost, I would call, final um, press conference where like he was saying things and that he normally had never said and it's kind of implying and that kind of made us think like what's going on but then he was was he irritated with the media for trying you know for questioning i don't know my concern is i feel very protective of monty and i don't want him to get like too salty because of who's watching and if you know the critics whoever these critics are are going to be extra hard on him because of what happened last year. So like, and I've already seen like a couple of things where I've, I've just been like, oh, that's surprisingly harsh words coming from Monty. Um, so I just hope they don't, they don't kill his soul. Because <laughs> they well, could very well. They, that's what happened to Bruce. He, he coach he coaches in Boston. So I, I know. Uh, that, that goes, that goes without saying that there, there might be a little territory. bit of soul. Yeah, a little bit of soul crushing, and and you you know to some degree you mm -hmm. you need to have a thick skin to be a yeah. coach, yeah, of, of any any sports team yeah. in in the Boston. city of Boston. Mm -hmm. What what I and and I'm old school. I like a little <laughs> bit of toughness and gruffness from my coaches. I don't yeah. I don't like how Bruce did it last year when he made it public to the media. If you and, have an issue yeah. with the player, okay, yeah. keep it behind your closed doors. Yeah. And and that's where he went off the rails on more than one occasion. He yeah. stopped for a period of time, and then I don't know what happened. It was after the holidays. It might have yeah. been around the trade deadline. And it seemed like he was right back to the old Bruce again. But yeah. my take on that is I think Bruce was worn out. That to me oh, is definitely a, fr I a symptom of frustration. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think he was worn out. Now, Jim Montgomery seems like a great guy. I know mm -hmm. that he's overcome a lot of personal challenges mm -hmm. and kudos to him for doing so. What I didn't, what didn't appeal to me 
mm-hmm. the end of last season wow. was yeah. it didn't seem to me as if he took enough accountability mm-hmm. as the head coach for things that went wrong during yeah. that Florida series. That's yeah. all I expect, <laughs> okay? Yeah. Just take some accountability. Mm-hmm. So I found that a little um, off-putting from, yeah. you know. Well, and for me, so he's yeah. going to have challenges this year. Yeah. Now, if he's already getting salty, <laughs> if he's already getting salty two games in, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit concerned. Yeah. Um, if he's already, you know, having, you know, um, uncomfortable press conferences, right. uh, according to Fluto Shinzawa, after yep. they practiced today, he didn't have good things to say yeah. about the practice to which I say to Fluto, okay, if y'all going to put out right. a statement like that, what did he say? Right. Okay. You're, yeah. What you're, did yep. he say? So you throw that bomb out there and this mm-hmm. is, this is not like Fluto, but this is now twice, yeah. I think, right. That he's done this. You throw this little bomb out there mm-hmm. and it's picked up by a lot of different people, but are you going to tell us what he right. said? Were you privy to right. what he said? Did a player yeah. tell you that mm-hmm. he said something that didn't sit well with them? And you know what? I'm not going to have this again for right. another season, okay? Right. Mont mm-hmm. is the coach. If mm-hmm. you do something at practice, yeah, I don't care who the coach is. Yeah. If you're not implementing something at practice that your coaches are expecting you to, right. and you can't take criticism... Mm-hmm. All right, then find another line of work. I'm sorry. Yes, exactly. You're all it adult is. men, okay? <laughs> You're all adult men last time I looked. Grow up, right. Well, well and, the, yeah. and you make an excellent, excellent point that what is the purpose of him throwing something like that out there? But secondly, there's zero context. Like you said, was it a player who was dropping something or was that your own interpretation of the situation? Maybe Monty was just being real with them and they were perceiving it as he's being honest with us and we appreciate Like, Fluto, you don't know. You weren't on the ice with them. And I don't believe that Monty had a, a, a public facing press conference saying, well, my guys are idiots and they can't I learn. They can't escape. social media trying to find yeah. any context for this. Right? right. And so maybe it was just a little, maybe it was innocuous on the part of Fluto. To, to put that right. out there. But do you know your audience? Right. Oh, my God. They're they're salivating in Boston now. Literally you know salivating. Audience? Mm-hmm. I know. Because, you know, we have we have some sports media outlets here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I won't name names. Who, <laughs> right? Have their issues with some of the players yeah. who were seemingly butthurt about mm-hmm. some things that Bruce may have said either right. in the media or right. to them on the ice. So right. this is just more fodder. Right. For and exactly. And so like that's what I mean this the, and we're only the, two games in. I know. And that's what I mean like with the that's the that's almost the Boston treatment but not from the player that the, from the fans to the players but the Boston media. I mean, what are you doing with that information? Like that's only going to sow chaos whether you intended it or not. What purpose does that have to do with anything? And to your other point of him, you know, 
again, having zero context, we don't actually know what he said. He could have very nicely said, boys, I was disappointed in you today. <laughs> I don't know. But maybe that's him trying to also take that accountability and say, no, that isn't enough. I need you to do more because I need you to perform because all of these expectations are now on me. I was coach of the year last year. We shit the bed in the playoffs and everybody's watching now. So no, that wasn't enough. But of course we have no idea and we won't know what's going to happen. And you know, he's he's already mixing up these lines. You know, my favorite thing. thing he's, he's not pushing the panic button yet. No, he's but... doing his normal thing, which is let's try something else. I don't want to, I don't need to see more. I don't, if they can't do it in 60 minutes of play, then we need to change it, which I agree with him. This is literally your profession. This is your job. If I couldn't do a critical part of my job at work, like, no matter how hard I tried, like I literally couldn't do it. I think that would be a problem. <laughs> I I think my manager would be having words with me. So I think he's in his right to do this. And the way that he's doing it is not unusual to what we know of him. So, um, but speaking of like some of these mixed up lines and stuff, uh, what do you think about this seemingly, uh, Patra promotion situation that we might be seeing. Well, I'm not this weekend. It, it's it a right. We'll see because the morning rushes today. Yep. were Marshy, Potsy, Geeky, DeBrusque, Zaka, Pasta, JVR, Coyle, Freddie, and Lucic, Pichalaco. They're going untouched, and yep. it appears that the defensive pairings are going untouched. So I'm looking at this in a in a couple of different ways. Mm -hmm. One is, yes, I think Potsy is getting uplifted a bit. Yeah. I think the other rationale is trying to get certain guys going. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Marshy needs to get going, DeBrusque needs to get going, and Zaka needs to get going. Last yeah. I looked, I DeBrusque has now again, folks, we're only two games in. Yes, I know right. we're only two games in. But mm -hmm. these are integral players. Right. On this year's roster, mm -hmm. DeBrusque has no points yet. Zaka has no points yet. Mm -hmm. Marshy, I believe, only has a point. A point. Mm -hmm. So, right. Yeah. If mm -hmm. these guys, you're going to need these guys to perform, mm -hmm. to get points on the scoreboard for mm -hmm. you. And yeah. I'm a little concerned about Jake DeBrusque. You know, I thought the games that he played in the preseason were kind of mezza mezza, right? Yeah, yeah. And I haven't seen much of him in the first mm. two games. I know he's been out on the ice. Yeah. I know he's been out on the ice, but I haven't noticed him out yeah. on the ice. Now, the guy I feel a little bit um, badly for is Charlie Coyle. Now, mm. again, we all know that this was a position that probably a first-line center was not Charlie Coyle's gig. Right. It, you know, but because of cap constraints, because of other issues on the team, he was put into that role. The mm -hmm. fact that he's already been 
pushed back down to the third line. Yeah. Um, I find a little bit maybe too soon. Like, yeah, I mean, Mar- Marchand played with Bergeron virtually his entire career. Right. That kind of chemistry doesn't happen overnight. Right. I was hoping and thinking that, you know, he, they might let it evolve a little right. bit longer. Yeah. But, well, yeah. and I, and yeah, and I think this is one of the, side effects or the downstream effects of Bergeron leaving Bergeron more than Krejci just because of the uh relationships that Bergeron had with all of these guys and you know people will talk like oh the face-offs that's where we're gonna see it or oh you know there's nobody gonna be living down in the bumper but like you said Marshawn for I mean, almost his entire career, and certainly, my God, what the last? <laughs> I can't even. T- I can't even remember the last time they didn't play on the same line. So, like, it's been probably better part of a decade, I'm sure, if not more. And you know, it's it's going to be an adjustment for him, right? Because it's like when you have that. That one person in your life, whether it's your BFF or your work BFF, that person, like he, they they knew exactly where the other person was on the ice at all time. Like it, that's Nothing something that you can't said. exactly. So it's a two way thing. I mean, yeah, Marshy's got to kind of learn a little bit about some of his new line mates, but the other line mates, you know, out of respect to Marshy, both as a captain and as the the most senior member of the team like i think he's there's no one there anymore who's been there cons- that consistently the longer longer than him um you know I, they also have to learn how to work with him and gel with him um but jake debrusque i mean we saw that transformation when he got put up on the Bergeron Marchand line. And I'm, I imagine, you know, a lot of the complaints that I certainly had about Jake DeBrusque um, when he was kind of in that funk time was he just didn't, he wouldn't follow through or he wouldn't maintain, you know, a certain level of skill or, or, or competitiveness. But I think Marchand brought that out in him. And I think that Bergeron likely brought out in him you know all the pep talks and i believe in you kind of like to keep help him keep going and now he's no loss when you play with two guys of that caliber right virtually don't give up a puck fight right either in the offensive zone or the defensive zone if you're not pulling your weight yeah how long do you think you're going to last on that line Right. Well, and I get the sense from all the things that I've read and the interviews, like there was a mentorship element there to help JD, you know, find his place and find his game and who he is as a player. And it certainly came out, you know, so there's that piece. There's all these other pieces that are kind of more of like the interpersonal downstream effects of someone like Bergeron leaving. You know, there are are, guys who are lost there are guys who now have to be in these positions that they're just like doubting themselves you know zaka has been one who is very uh public and in, in you know 
in conversation where he's said like he can get in those funks when he doesn't, you know, believe in himself. And all of a sudden he's struggling because he's just got that self-doubt. And, you know, it, it's all those kind of things that have come together that I don't think most people have considered what Bergeron's leaving really meant. So I, I think Boston's never Boston in general fans the city of Boston they're not gonna ever give any player or any team any kind of grace <laughs> but I mean they they deserve a little bit right it's still October it's game no, three and, and <laughs> logic I see some of the logic of what um Jim Montgomery is doing because yeah. Zaka and Pasta have played together yeah um give know. them confidence make it a little bit easy right, right. To you get know, that Coyle, going. Coyle and Freddie have had, you know, line yeah. interaction. Right. Marshy, like anybody should be able to play with Marshy, right? Yeah. So why not put those young guys up there? Yes. See what Teach happens. them. So I let, love it. You know, if, if, I these, love it. if these are in fact the lines mm-hmm. that start the game tonight, yeah. um, I'm going to be curious to see how mm-hmm. how things things move and gel or, you know, if, if, if Jim Montgomery sees that, okay, this isn't quite what I thought was going to happen or envision with this. Yeah. And then maybe there'll be more switching up because let's not forget he, you know, the, the matchups will be in favor of the San Mm -hmm. Jose Sharks. Not that they're any juggernaut (laughs) because I just don't think they're a very good team, but, but um, exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad they're starting with the San Jose Sharks as opposed to the, LA Kings, Kings, who are everybody's darling, it seems, to make it to the Stanley Cup finals, if not win the whole damn thing. Like, where is that coming from? I don't don't even know. know. I don't know. I don't know. know. Some of these hot takes, I just want to say to them, like, where the heck are you getting this? Like, (laughs) I'll I'll buy your hot take about New Jersey. I'll buy your hot take about Carolina. But your hot takes about literally anyone else in this league, go go, go home. Go home. Go home. Um, (laughs) So... The last thing I want to ask you about before we go, because it is game day and we have to get into our PJs to watch uh, because the games are so stinking late. Um, I'm not going to lie. I'm, <laughs> so I'm glad we're not on video. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> something fun to kind of talk about. The uh, Century team, the top 20 guys uh, that that selection committee put together. Um you know, I did the little experiment with my dad where I came up with my list. He came up with his. We'll share those in the show notes. Um, I think for probably literally anyone who probably participated in this little thought experiment, we all probably picked the same 16 guys, right? We all picked Cheevers. We all picked Bergie and Pasta and Marshy and Busick, you know, all those guys. Um But it was interesting kind of how those last few spots shook out. For me, I had a hard time because, you know, certainly uh, those 16 guys, 17 guys, head and shoulders above the rest. And not necessarily that any of the 100 guys on that list to begin with were not spectacular players and contributors to the franchise itself, but... You know, when when you have someone like Bobby Orr, who is considered by many the number two greatest player in the NHL ever. Um, who's for me, number two? Because I'll fight them to the death. Well, he's number one. 
<laughs> I don't know. As a hockey fan, are you allowed to say that you don't think Wayne Gretzky is the number one player of all time? I say it all the time, and I don't care who disagrees with me. Bobby Orr is the greatest NHL player of all time, in, in my mind. I revolutionize <laughs> when, when yes. you can revolutionize a position. Yeah. A position. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm not saying Wayne Gretzky. Oh, he of stinks. Course. <laughs> of course he's a great, of course he's a great player. Of course yeah. he's a great player. Yeah. Well, that's just one little woman's opinion. There you go. There you go. I feel like I'm not allowed to disagree. I mean, to to say that Wayne Gretzky, uh, you know, isn't the number one. I agree with you. Come on, please. Um, but so these last couple of guys, for me, it was hard because all the other guys, great players. Like, how can you pick? How can you fill those last couple of spots? Um, but there's been a little bit of a kerfuffle, a little bit of a controversy with a couple of other, like, how could you pick Brimsek for your second goalie? Well, this and is this the is... one I found the most interesting. Yeah. When, when the list came out, what yeah. were the goalies, yeah. which I thought... Um, you know, give, given the selection committee mm -hmm. and their, their coverage and the fact that, you know, after Jerry Cheevers, mm -hmm. it was 39 years before know. another Stanley Cup was raised in the city of Boston, mm -hmm. given the fact that the narrative is we would have never won that cup right. without Tim Thomas as if he won it all by himself and there weren't, you know, a bunch of other guys playing in front of him. I get it. I get it. Yeah, he yeah. was spectacular. Right. You need to have a hot goalie in the playoffs. So the fact that he wasn't on this list yeah. was a little mind-boggling to me. And I wonder how much of it was the fact that folks didn't want to pick Thomas over Rask. Now, oh. To me, the difference is, to me, the difference would have been, uh -huh. now, if I had a vote, the difference would have been, okay, Rask, yes, probably has the best statistics he of does. any goalie in Bruins mm -hmm. history, and you would know that, okay? Yes. <laughs> and his name is etched on the cup, it but is... he didn't win the cup. Quote, unquote. So I would have <laughs> had no problem. Right. Giving my vote to Tim yeah. Thomas, mm -hmm. and again, maybe that's not the right rationale. Right, he did bring a cup back to this. Right. Help bring a cup back after mm -hmm. thirty nine years. So I just thought that was a little odd. Mm -hmm. And to your point, like how you decide between Tim Thomas and Tuka Rask. I mean, you know, on my dad's list, he went with Timmy for the exact same reason you did. I ended up going tipping in favor of Rask because he is the best goalie in Bruins franchise history. I mean, you can't deny it. There are plenty of spectacular all-time greatest straight to the Hall of Fame first-time voting goaltenders out there who didn't win a cup. Look at Hank, right? So to me, like, yes, I know his name is on the Stanley Cup, but like, did he quote unquote win it in the same way that Tim Thomas didn't? No. Did he 
kind of not do a spectacular job against Chicago, maybe. But, you know, it, it, you know, it wasn't his fault that they didn't win in the year we won't we don't talk about. Correct. Um, so there's a lot of those. Uh, so yeah, talk about it. I know, I know. With the, with this, <laughs> that's what it means to be a Bruins fan. Long suffering Bruins fan. <laughs> and exactly. So yeah, I thought that was just kind of curious, and I didn't even really think about the fact that you just pointed out where it was like, let's not even touch that with a ten foot pole. Um. Because I can, I get that. Like, I get that. I can respect that argument because of that. But I actually did for a hot second uh, consider also Gilles Joubert as the alternative to one of those two. Um, so I just thought it was interesting that they went with Brimsek is all. But um, yeah, so we'll post our opinions, our lists, our where we got it, quote unquote, right and just, wrong. Just one <laughs> our little tidbit that i heard today so what one more thing i i mm-hmm. wonder too during the process of voting mm-hmm. um because there's a video clip um out there of you know the going around the room mm-hmm. when the selection committee was asked about the goalies mm-hmm. i wonder how much of it also has to do with the fact that there's you know been a narrative around tuka rask that mm-hmm. he can't win the big game he can't win yeah. a big game for you. He can't mm-hmm. win when it counts for you. And right. I wonder how much of that, because the premise, the premise behind mm-hmm. this pro, this this selection is, if right. you wanted to feel put out a team that right. was the best of the best, right? That could right. win you a game. So I wonder how much of that kind of seeped in, right? To oh some yeah, of the selection committee, yeah headspace yeah other the other tidbit i heard today from mike milbury he was Uh. he did his regular (laughs) um guest appearance on Uh. weei and he was part of all the fanfare and the gala as many other players were and he dropped a little nugget in that it seems like adam oates was a little bit dumbfounded as to how he didn't make it on this on the 20 top 20 yeah, yeah. Really? Uh, yeah. yeah. All right. Now again, this is the, this was Mike Milbury's take on it. Please, I don't listen. <laughs> I don't listen to anything that that man has ever to say. <laughs> um, but I just thought it was kind of weird, you know. He's like he wasn't he wasn't mad about it. He was yeah. just he was just surprised. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So yeah. this. Mm-hmm. Anyways. <laughs> Listen, um, listen, you got to laugh every time you see that video of him taking off his... I was going to say, I'm like, this is rich coming from the guy who went after a fan. You know, it's, it's, you know, that's where Happy Gilmore, that idea came from. Like, I'm like, oh my God. When I learned that was basically a real life situation. I mean, I watched Happy Gilmore before I saw Mike Milbury, but you know, that says my okay. age. myself. <laughs> I actually watched that game as it was happening. I know, I know. I was laughing then, and I'm still laughing now at my age when I see it. Yep, yep. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, Mike Milbury. But so it's been uh, an interesting start to our centennial season. Um, We have our West Coast games coming up. Uh, Maria, remind me when they come home. 
So Do we know? they are not home until next Thursday night, October twenty sixth, against which is really interesting against Anaheim. So huh. they play Anaheim mm-hmm. on the twenty second, mm-hmm. and then Anaheim is going to come out here to play them. Um, couple of nights later so Mm -hmm. so the Bruins schedule um as we see it right now tonight is the Sharks 10 30 puck drop thank you very little the LA Kings um the LA Kings I believe tomorrow evening Mm -hmm. oh wait a minute I'm sorry no the day after yeah the day after 21st 22nd they have the Anaheim Ducks and then the 24th they play the Blackhawks in Chicago. That oh, the- game will be on ESPN, so that will be the Connor Bedard show, folks. Mm, boo. Get ready for it. <laughs> well, it sounds like since they won't be home for another week, we'll have to connect again, maybe midway through this uh, road trip, see how they're doing, and... See if we've got any concerns yet, which it's still early, so I'm sure everything will be fine. It's all fine. You're going to watch Bruins in two. I will rely on the highlights <laughs> and your yeah, your like great notes. Yeah. <laughs> Bruins in two and my little, you know, for what they're worth, my little yeah. note taking. There you um, go. But, uh, you know, feel free to follow us, too. I'm, yes. I, you, can, you can find me on... Twitter, X, or whatever the hell it's called these days. Um, Maria of H2O Town. Feel free to, sh- you know, shoot us a question. Um, give us any you know, feedback as long uh-huh. as you keep it clean. Because um, you'll throw it right back, Adam. You'll throw it right back. back. You'll get it right back because I'm not shy about clapping back. But uh, yeah. you can find us on Spotify. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Google. Google. And uh, I also have a blog on uh, Substack called Check This Data. You can learn about some uh, hockey analytics across the league. I've got a great little app that can um, show you where goals are being scored from, from your favorite players. You can kind of explore that off of that. So that's uh, checkthisdata.substack.com. And then you can also find me on Mastodon. Uh, at spelled with a K, so spelled underscore with underscore a underscore K, because that's how you spell my name. And we will chat again soon. Go bees. Go Bruins. <laughs>